Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each Friday we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic insights from our in-house economics team. And good morning to our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Morning, Craig. Matthew, good to have you here. Today, we're going to go offshore to one of our biggest strategic trading partners in China. It's been 11 months since COVID first broke out in Wuhan, and yesterday, China released its latest GDP data, Matthew. How are they faring? Well, yes, Craig. Uh, Monday, we got uh, China GDP, as you said. Uh, The economy grew by around about 3%, pretty strong result in September. Uh, and that leaves the economy up around about 5% um, on a year-on-year basis. Uh, and this follows a whopping 12% recovery uh, in the June quarter. And all these numbers, what they mean is that the Chinese economy is already uh, 3% bigger now than it was um, uh, at its pre-COVID level back in uh, December quarter of 2019. The other pleasing aspect of the data is that the recovery is very broad-based uh, and we've got rising momentum across uh, industrial production, retail sales, uh, fixed asset investment and property investment. Simply amazing numbers, Matthew. Um, I know they're our biggest trading partner, but I'm assuming this is a good positive story for Australia. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Um, It's particularly um, positive news for uh, iron ore and metallurgical coal uh, production, which are two of our largest exports uh, dominated by demand from China. As we know, you know, the Chinese authorities have unleashed a a really sizable stimulus program with a focus on infrastructure spending and uh, support of their property markets. And and that's increased uh, China's uh, steel production and therefore its demand for iron ore and metallurgical coal. And that's seen a a tremendous boost to demand in those uh, two uh, bulk commodities. Uh, It's lifted iron ore prices, for example, by 50%, and it's uh, resulted in steady prices for met coal, all boding well for uh, the Australian mining sector. Thanks, Matthew. You're listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current economic foresights shaping your investment outlook. Matthew, going back to the days of Prime Minister Paul Keating, Australia intentionally positioned ourselves as part of Asia for greater economic diversification and growth. We just covered off on China, where the political risk still remains. So what about our other neighbours, such as South Korea, Japan and Singapore? Well, Craig, uh, from my point of view, uh, right at the moment, thank heavens, uh, we are tightly linked to China rather than uh, many other potential trading partners, including a number in our region. Um, While the Asia-Pac region as a whole has been performing well compared to particularly Europe and the US, both in terms of COVID cases and uh, growth rates of the economy, It's only really China, Taiwan and Vietnam that are expected to register positive annual growth rates over 2020, with with many other uh, areas of our region, such as Singapore, Japan, Philippines, for example, to take hits that are going to look similar to uh, Europe. Longer term, however, um, coming back to sort of the uh, sentiment of your statement with uh, uh, referral to Keating, I think we do need to be 
uh, diversifying our export reach away from China, um, apart from geopolitical considerations, over time, China's demand for our bulk commodity exports are going to enter secular decline as China's population growth rates um, fall and as their rate of urbanisation slows, both those things will combine to reduce their demand for iron ore and met coal, for example. Uh, we need to be developing our other industries that are competitive on international markets, such as tourism, uh, educational services, agriculture, health services, and uh, pockets of high-tech manufacturing. And um, we need to be refocusing into seeking out um, demands that are on the rise. And in fact, our region, uh, with its rising income per capita rates, um, will see strong demand for, particularly for these industries uh, which we, in which we have competitive uh, advantage. So we need to lay the foundations now for these industries uh, and we need to seek out ways to make Australia attractive to our emerging neighbours. So given that there is the potential for great growth from our emerging neighbours, how are overall these regions faring lately, Matthew, with regards to COVID? Well, despite being the source of the disease and, and accounting for 60% of the world's population, uh, the Asia-Pacific region has performed pretty pretty well, relatively speaking, both in terms of coping with COVID and in terms of economic growth. In fact, only four of the uh, top 20 nations in terms of uh, total COVID infection uh, rates are from our region. You know, obviously India is in that group. It's ranked number two behind the US in terms of top uh, numbers of uh, COVID infections. But the other three, which are Bangladesh, Indonesia and Philippines, uh, they're ranked just inside the top uh, 20 at 18, 19 and 20. These four economies, of course, are among the worst performing economies. But at the other end of the spectrum, uh, we've got, as I mentioned, Taiwan, uh, Vietnam and also Thailand that have made maintained extremely low COVID uh, case rates throughout the pandemic. Um, of the other major economies in our region, most have had either late spikes in COVID case rates or serious second waves that are they're now just starting to bring under control. But uh, most of the countries uh, in our region are expecting relatively mild hits to their uh, economies, and those countries include South Korea, Indonesia and Sri Lanka, while a handful of others um, will have hits more in line with Europe and the US, as I mentioned, Singapore, but also the Philippines and Japan. You're listening to Craig Balanzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where I'm joined by our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, to assess the latest economic news shaping your investment outlook. Matthew, let's jump across to Europe, which we touched on here late last week. There are continuing to battle an intense second wave. What's your latest outlook? Well, that's right, uh, Craig. It's, it's looking... Um you know, increasingly uh, more difficult in Europe with uh, that uh, the second wave, and uh, you know, case rates are now exceeding their their uh, their earlier peaks uh, in the first wave uh, in most European in most European countries. Uh, whilst the death rates are much lower, uh, they are climbing, and we expect them to increase uh, further as they lag the daily case rates by a few weeks. Um, and even uh, though the death rates are, are still very low um, compared to the first wave, and, and I suspect they will um, stay relatively low, the, it's the sheer size of the daily case rates um, 
that are the problem. And that's seen a sharp spike in the rate of hospitalisation. And now we're starting to see uh, health systems uh, coming under strain. Uh, ICU beds are filling up uh, and many countries are beginning to limit or suspend elective surgery. Curfews to limit public movement have been imposed in parts of Spain, Italy, uh, and France. Wales has gone into a two-week lockdown. North Ireland and Scotland have closed their borders. Um, and, and the rise in, in case rates in the UK, France, Spain and Italy, which have been well publicised, uh, are being matched, if not outstripped, by uh, a, a range of smaller European countries uh, that are also suffering, such as the Czech Republic, um, Switzerland and Austria, where their case rates per population are actually around about three times that of the US. Pretty alarming there, Matthew, when you consider as well that Europe remains not only a major trading partner of Australia's, but also of, of China, who, of course, is our late, largest trading partner. And you know, when you think about the US, it's, it's, it's pretty alarming there. And with just, just 11 sleeps to go to the US elections, Matthew, I'm going to put you on the spot here in terms of your pick. And I'll give you three choices. So I know it's only a two-horse race. A, Biden, B, Trump, or C, a contested election. What's your take? A, Biden, uh, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, you know, there's, a, there's still a sizable uh, margin in the polls favouring Biden. Uh, of course, they can whittle away, um, but they'd have to whittle away a lot. Uh, one of the, the features um, that was a concern about Biden was the turnout uh, amongst Democrats, but the early polling um, that we're seeing at the moment um, is really strong, showing that, and, and it's mainly Democrats. So, so it's showing that there is, uh, I think, a, a strong turnout to be expected uh, uh, amongst the Democrats as opposed to what we saw last time. And I don't think there's a, a sort of a, a, a key moment where Biden can really slip backwards like there was last in the last election with uh, the FBI reopening investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails. So, A, Biden. However, as a caveat, uh, Craig, I was very strongly convinced of Hillary uh, Clinton in the last election. Very good, Matthew. I was almost thinking you're going to be a classic economist there and give yourself an out. To find the latest in the terms of that COVID and the November 3 elections, uh, tune in to Monday's Market Moments podcast, uh, where we'll also focus on whether Congress can pass those fiscal stimulus measures. Matthew, thank you for your sharing your thoughts today. I'm Craig Valenzuela for QIC's Take 10 podcast and have a super weekend.